Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. Welcome back to the Little By Podcast. I know it has been quite a while since we released an episode, but for those of you guys that don't know, we just opened our third Stat Wellness location in Peachtree City, Georgia. So we have Stat Wellness Atlanta, Roswell, and now Peachtree City. And between seeing patients, hiring, training, opening a new location, and making sure to have time to love on my little two-and-a-half-year-old, one-year-old, and my amazing husband, the podcast goes on the back burner. But this season is going to be incredible. Uh, we have a a lot of really great interviews that are all going to be under 45 minutes. So they're going to be quick interviews and some single or solo uh, podcasts with just myself. So anything you guys want to hear, make sure you reach out to us at Little By uh, Podcast on Instagram, or you can always email me at Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N at stat, S-T-A-T wellness.com. Uh, this episode today is with one of our nurse practitioners at Stat Wellness. She is the first nurse practitioner that we hired by, by, besides myself. Her name is Athena Newell. If you guys have not met her, she is such a phenomenal provider, such a phenomenal mom and person. She uh, has experience and training through the Institute of Functional Medicine, and she's practiced with us at Stat Wellness for over four years. She has three kids. Uh, she is a mom of three, and she has a phenomenal husband, Donnie. And she really loves this area and dialogue and conversation around burnout as a mom of three and working and seeing patients, making sure that she is living with her glass filled um, so that she is able to pour into others is something she's constantly balancing and navigating. And she's learned so much through this journey and has so many great tips and tricks for us. So we wanted to have a little bit of a dialogue on what is burnout and what are some of the symptoms of burnout? How do we examine? and burnout at Stat Wellness? What are some objective markers we can look at? Um, what are things that employers and employees can do to help mitigate burnout based on research? Uh, and just understanding that this conversation is so multifactorial. It is never just one thing that leads to burnout. It's multiple variables. And I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. And if you guys have any questions or want to keep the conversation going, be sure to reach out. And if you want to learn more about your hormones as it relates to adrenal health and burnout. How is your estrogen and progesterone balanced as it relates to your menstrual cycle? Because these things really influence our risk of burnout and um, our recovery each day. We are doing a hormone optimization group through Stat Wellness that is starting this fall in September. You do want to sign up soon because you've got to get your Dutch test, which is a dried urine hormone test, complete it, send it off, and get the results back before we start mid-September. So check out our website at statwellness.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S, to learn more about the Hormone Optimization Group. And thank you guys for tuning in. And we are excited to be back.
Welcome to the show, Athena. Hi, thanks for having me. I am so excited. This is such a hot topic we're going to talk about today, all about burnout. Um, As you guys know, this has been something that has been on the rise for several years now, but they've reported over 80% of employees are feeling the sense of burnout. So I wanted to jump right in and have you share, like, what is burnout? What are some of the symptoms that people feel when they're experiencing burnout? Yeah. um, So burnout can be categorized from a few different perspectives. So there's not a consensus on what exactly burnout is, but it's a sense of exhaustion in life in general. And that can be from a multitude of factors, whether it's being a parent and having multiple children, whether it's being an employee. um, But we usually have a sense of exhaustion, um, almost a depression where we're not necessarily interested in the same things we used to be. We might notice feelings of anxiety, poor sleep at night. um, And we just are not finding as much joy in work and um, the things that we're involved in in life. So, but the exhaustion part is the biggest part, the emotional exhaustion. And I love World Health Organization started defining burnout. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they put in their definition is a change in like your career, your thoughts of your career, Mm -hmm. like the cynical aspect of your job. So where you always loved what you were doing, you found joy in your role, fulfillment in your role. When burnout comes, you look at your job and your responsibilities in a very cynical way. And I think that's a very interesting look at burnout is, you know, it is the exhaustion, but it's also changes your outlook. And that outlook can worsen the exhaustion, right? It's fueling the fire. Um, So one of the things we talk about, because as you guys know, Athena and I practice functional medicine, is we're always looking at getting to the root cause of burnout. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the really big things is it's never just one thing, right? right? It's not just the kids or just the lack of sleep or just the job. It's a combination of so many different things. Mm -hmm. But when people come in and see you and you're meeting with them and maybe you guys are talking about burnout and exhaustion, what are some of the things that you look at maybe objectively, like either Mm -hmm. lab, or um, whoop bands? Like what are some data points that you look at to get an objective measurement of burnout? Yeah. I mean, to start with in the, in the new patient appointment before we ever even get any data is just the symptoms, the objective um, or subjective symptoms that they're presenting with, whether it's I'm having a hard time falling asleep at night, I'm using my phone to numb, I'm on my phone constantly because I just don't want to deal with the sitting and the quiet, I'm waking through the night, I'm feeling anxious for no reason, I'm having heart palpitations. Um, and then from an objective measure, whenever we draw labs um, on blood work, we can see higher levels of cortisol. You might even see low levels of cortisol and feeling like really low in energy. We might see higher insulin levels, higher fasting glucose, higher A1C. So those are the few, uh, a few of the main ones um, that I that I look at in labs. And from an adrenal perspective, when she was talking about cortisol, that's our stress hormone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, high or low could be acute stress versus chronic stress. And then the blood sugar, like the glucose and the A1C, that's a big thing that we've really identified even as a practice with continuous glucose monitors. Yeah. So we have patients wear monitors for two weeks and it's amazing how much we're under fueling ourselves. Like I've mm-hmm. seen that so much in these low blood sugar episodes are actually connected to burnout. And you would never think that, oh, what I'm eating could play a role with how I feel about, you know, my job and my kids and my life. And we know when our glucose gets low, we make cortisol and we get irritable and we can't think and we can't focus. Right. So I, I love some of these objective things we can pull in. And Athena and I were just talking about at breakfast, she just got a whoop band. Um, so you've only had it on for a night, right? Yeah. Overnight. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I had better sleep than I expected because now that I know that it's on me, I'm like, 
aware of it. So yeah. Well, and the whoop band to me has been so fun in the burnout conversation because you see your recovery yeah. every day. Yeah. You can see your stress through, like moment to moment. I can tell when I'm getting the kids ready for school this morning and when I'm in the car in traffic, it has a stress score too, which is just an interesting, I think they're tracking with heart rate variability with those things. So that's just interesting. Well, and yeah. it's changed my patients. I don't know if you see this, mm-hmm. like what they do. So maybe mm-hmm. they were going to go for a long run yeah. and they see their recovery is really low. So they go for a shorter run or they just go on a walk or do yoga instead, which really, when we think about this burnout, like you can't pour from an empty cup. So if you're not recovering every single day and we're really burning the fire on both ends, we're going to get stuck in this place of burnout. Right. Right. And one of the, uh, the, going back to the blood sugar monitor, one of the things that I've noticed for myself and through my patients is after high stress episodes that I would just notice my blood sugar trending a little higher despite what I had eaten for lunch. And a few times I would turn on my Calm app or my Headspace app and do a quick 5, 10, 15 minute um, like mindfulness and meditation situation and my blood sugar would immediately come down. And I did that on multiple occasions. So it's like three hours after a meal where you really should have come down and your blood sugar by then, um, that those things are critical. And so you, you, you can't know what you don't know if you don't look like using blood sugar monitors. So it's really helpful. Well, and I think it's really validating too, like just all different objective points, right? Like, you know, okay, I'm feeling really irritable and might see my blood sugar low or I'm exhausted and I see my cortisol low. Mm-hmm. Like it's very validating. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of the things like, so we, people come in, they're experiencing burnout. You hear about the symptoms. We do some objective data paired with subjective data. How, like, where do you navigate from that? Is it a very individualized approach? Are you, like, how much do you think lifestyle plays a role in this conversation? Mm -hmm. Counseling, mental health, like, let's kind of give into, like, some of the things we can do, some of those tactical things. Right. So bucket items from a high level, we want to optimize sleep. We want to make sure hormones are appropriate. I mean, there's certain parts of your cycle where you will be, you have less margin and higher strain stress on the body during your luteal phase. So how are we optimizing those hormones? Um, We can look at movement. Like how are we using movement either too much or not enough in stressing our body, um, making sure we're fueling with food. Um, therapy is something that I talk about with almost every single one of my patients that I really do think that that is a valuable resource if we're capable of having that. So those are just a few of the things that I usually look at. But as far as like coping skills that we can do, there's a lot of research around play mm-hmm. and how as adults, we just don't make time for play like we used to whenever we were kids. And the research really shows that for brain science, we need that to help us decompress and find joy and gratitude. I mean, my husband and I went out, we were just throwing the baseball with our kids and it brought me back to childhood and brought me so much joy that I could do those things. So really like trying to get back to childhood, like what were those things that you enjoyed when you were a kid? Is it painting? Is it, um, you know, throwing the ball or playing sports or something like that, go, go doing a kickball league or whatever. So play is really important. We know about deep breathing and meditation. Um, movement and laughter is another way. So like those are some coping skills that we can put into place. I was even listening to a podcast recently about coping skills for kids, but they're definitely useful for adults as fidgets. Like there's times that we really need to get that physical energy out when we're feeling a little like anxious. But um, yeah. I love the play. Yeah. Like I think that I know for me as I'm in a seven on the Enneagram, you guys have heard me talk about this all the time. If I don't have play, like I, I have to, as sevens, like I have to have fun in my life. Yeah. And that's such a key component of 
my like core values for myself. Sure. You know, I always think I did a whole podcast on becoming the CEO of your life, which mm-hmm. we as uh, providers at Stat did this kind of exercise of yeah. like, what is our purpose mm-hmm. and what are our core values? And getting a lot of clarity around that to me has been very, very important in the burnout conversation. Totally. Yeah. It's like understanding, okay, my three like most important core values, like experience is one of them. So if I'm not setting aside time to have experiences and have fun and date nights and, you know, explore different restaurants and laugh and like, I can't do the other things, right? I can't have an impact if right. I'm not having experiences. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, I just, I love the play and I love the laughter. And you probably have seen um, the Harvard study, like one of the law, the largest and longest studies that has happened in the U.S. was on what is the biggest variable of longevity. Mm-hmm. And it was really happiness and yeah. connection. Yeah. So, you know, thinking about burnout, if we're not connecting with people, mm-hmm. if we're not playing, if we're not laughing, if we're not finding fulfillment, mm-hmm. I don't understand how burnout couldn't happen, right? right. Like, yeah. I mean, you will get burned out. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked what you talked about, about like setting up those priorities in your life. Brene Brown has a resource on her website where she gives you, you know, over a hundred different words to describe what, what your highest priorities are. And what's interesting with, um, with values is sometimes there's things that we really value in our life and bring us joy. And then there's ambitious things that we want to achieve in our life, but sometimes they're in conflict with one another, with one another. Like we might have career goals, but to reach that career goal, we might actually be sacrificing the thing that brings us joy and is the highest priority. I mean, for some of us, the easy thing is family, right? Like if your family is your highest priority, but you're working 50 or 60 hours a week and that's compromising your value, your core value, then you've got to kind of look through a different lens and adjust that. Um, So... Yeah, I think you could look through, sorry, to, we could look through the Brene Brown website and she can give you like a list of things that you can kind of readjust like what your values are and like make decisions from that place. Yeah. Well, and I think that conversation is around something else that we were talking about over breakfast was the shoulding, right? Yeah. Like I feel like our society gives us so much should, mm-hmm. right? Like I should have a job or I should be exercising more or I should be, you know, we feel these shoulds all the time and that's a lot of pressure, right? Like a lot of pressure, yeah. whether it's like, I should be skinnier. I should be stronger. Mm-hmm. I should be doing all of this. And I think that I look at it from a place in my EO group at this entrepreneur organization. We're not allowed to say should at all during any of our meetings, whether it's for ourselves or others, mm-hmm. because it doesn't feel very positive. Like mm-hmm. no matter how you word should, it's not a very positive word when you think about it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe rephrase that into like, I want to do, or I will find fulfillment in if I do this, or, you know, these small things really make a big difference in dialogue. Um, the other interesting thing Athena and I were talking about, which I think is great, is the employee versus employer perspective. Yeah. And so what's kind of fun about this conversation is obviously I'm an employer and you're an employee. And so I love kind of coming into these conversations too about, mm-hmm. you know, what as a company can we do? And um, we were chatting a little bit about like what the research has shown as an employer's perspective is empathy and communication are critical in the burnout conversation. And um, there was an article that said only 20% of employees felt comfortable talking to their employer about burnout. Right. Um, and that's a very low percentage to me. And so um, what else like, have you found kind of in the research or in the conversations? Because I know a lot of people that listen are entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and own businesses mm-hmm. or are employees. Yeah. So from both perspectives. Yeah. Um, 
I think what the um, the important thing that we we feel from our employee is that we're respected, that we are a valuable member of the team, that, you know, of course there's hierarchy within a business, but we also want to feel like we are a valuable and respected and honored person in our business. And that includes like whatever we come with as individuals, whether it's our family or whatever it might be. And so, you know, having companies that represent like ethics, that they actually stand by who they say that they are. There, there is some research done. Um, there's two researchers. Their names are Donald and um, Charles Schul. They're in the MIT, MIT uh, Management Review, and they discuss this research of respect, ethics, inclusion, which I think can be difficult, but it sounds like a lot of companies are moving to like in, integrate inclusion into their company. Um, and then competition, whether that's positive or negative. I mean, in our company specifically, there isn't competition between us. It's not about who's seeing the most patients or seeing the best results. Like we really are a team and we we rise by lifting others and we do that together. And so those are some things like that we want to look for in the companies that we w- work with. And then we want to represent, I would say, as employee employers. And I think it's really like, I think we need to shift that that statistic of that 20%. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if if we're not talking and having dialogue around this, like change won't happen. Right. Vulnerability, I would say mm-hmm. on both sides of things. Like, and, and to your question earlier, what are things that we can do as an employee being brave and courageous and vulnerable to tell you? And Kristen yeah. and I have worked together for almost four years. Yeah. So we have had many one-on-ones of the good, the bad, all of the things. And I would say like being able to be brave and vulnerable and, mm-hmm. and her being willing to listen to me with an open mind and like no judgment has been the reason why we work so well together for so long is like, it's hard to be vulnerable, but that is one of, I would say like from a life value perspective, if you can bring that into your whole life, it's going to help you with the, with being supported when things are hard because you're not hiding anything. Well, and I think on the flip side, some of the research I've looked at, because that's exactly right from the employee's perspective. And then also from the employer's perspective, a lot of burnout is when there's unclear expectations. Yeah. And that's something that like I look at as an employer a lot is, you know, if I have something in my mind that I think some role should be doing, but it's not clear, like it leads to the space of, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. Am I leveling up to like what this role is. And so a lot of that in the, you know, 20% communication and talking about burnout is also on the flip side of like, what is the expectation of this role? Are we clear on what that is? Yeah. So both people know, is it achievable? You know, am I meeting expectations? Because this gray zone, it seems like a lot of burnout is in this gray zone on both ends, right? The employer that's unclear, the employee that doesn't feel like they can communicate. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that empathy is a very, very important thing as any leader and as an employee. You know, I think think there's sometimes times, and I don't feel this within my organization, but when I've talked to people in the EO group a lot is people forget CEOs are people, right? Like, I think I hear that a lot when I talk with different entrepreneurs is they're like, you know, I think at the end of the day, like we have to have this community of other CEOs because within our organization, we're not a person, but it's like, but that shouldn't be because we are people too. Right. Right. And I think that's, what's really great about like our organization is we are a true startup and we've hired slowly Mm -hmm. and we really, I view us as more of a family. Mm -hmm. So I know like it's probably different than a company of 400 people where they never interact with the CEO, you know, like I, I can see how this happens, but I think it's, it's respect on both ends. It's understanding that we're both, everybody is a person having the empathy, the open communication, being vulnerable, um, and having clear expectations on both ends. Um, and I love, there's just more and more research coming out. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, I know for me, I'd always love if you guys send us information, like what has your company done? Um, what have you learned about yourself and burnout or, Mm -hmm. you know, cause we know, 
um, employees that are burned out are more likely to leave an organization within a year, right? Like they're not going to stay more than a year. So it's really important for both stability on the employee side and for the employer because hiring people can yeah. be challenging. Really like just to touch back on expectations that I think for some of us who are ambitious and we, you know, want to grow and learn in our jobs, sometimes we like we overshoot and it's and it's not an expectation necessarily put on us by our employer. It's just our desire to do a good job and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but I think sometimes when you run too hard too fast for too long, it's harmful. And so, you know, on both sides, an employee asking like, what do you expect from me from like a productivity perspective or like how much time should I be spending on charting or should I be doing it when I get home or whatever it might be that I think that that's, it's on both people's sides that like having realistic expectations for your employer and yourself and kind of freeing yourself. That was something Chris and I talked about, like, you know, she had given me a lot of tips right off the bat. And I, you know, when we first started working together and it really helped me reframe that it's not my job to fix. It's my job to guide and help our patients and be along with them and kind of free yourself to some degree of the things when things don't go like we hoped and planned. Well, and I think that's in every, and I, I think there's a lot of roles even outside of healthcare. So obviously we're coming at this very much from a perspective of healthcare and patient care, but I think there's so much of this perfectionist tendency in the U.S. Like this is, and I think personalities play a role in this. And, and I know one of the things I've really learned, like just from being a leader and a person is like, we're all very different, right? So like, it's easy for me to tell an employee, hey, be okay with being a little bit less perfect, right? Like it's okay. Go to sleep and let the fires burn. Like yeah. <laughs> get your work done within a time that you can. And then like, if a patient is irritated, like we, we have to protect ourselves. Right. Um, but for some people that is a very, like, it's easy for me to, I told them last night, my super, uh, power is I can go to sleep always. Mm -hmm. Like I just let the fires burn. I go to sleep. I recharge, like it is all going to be okay. Where that is a really big struggle for some people. And so I think having that empathy and understanding that is very important, but also very challenging because then, you know, you're like, well, now I'm trying to fix it again, right? <laughs> like we're all, it's all this visual, vicious perfectionist fixing rather than empathy and listening. And my sister also works with us and obviously we're sisters. So we have a different dynamic and she will tell me, Kristen, I am not looking for you to fix this. Just listen. Yes. And I'm like, Thank you. Thank yeah. you for the reminder, you know? <laughs> so like sometimes different personalities are going to have different struggles and their answer is not fixing it. Yeah. It's sometimes just listening yeah. and just having empathy. And um, so I think that's just an important lesson for a lot of people is in healthcare, you're not going to fix every patient. We are not, I mean, some people would argue healthcare workers are miracle workers, but I always tell people like, we are not miracle workers. We cannot lay our hand on you and like heal everything. Mm -hmm. Like we are here to partner with you, you know? And that's a lot of pressure if you believe that you are going to be able to heal every person in one 30-minute visit, right? Yeah. Or in conventional medicine, you have five minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you are not going to- It's impossible. You know? So um, is there anything else that you have found in the research or personally? Like I really love Athena, like her whole working with her for the four years and really learning. I learned so much from Athena on parenting. She's got three kids. I know in multiple conversations, and I don't think you mind sharing any of this, but it was an internal battle of like, I want to grow a career, but I also have three kids and they, I find so much joy in parenting and being a mother. And I just have so much respect in that. And I always told Athena, I was like, there will be a day where you can come and do more. There will be a day where you can, you know, and that's, it's really, it is so nice to 
make those tough decisions. Yeah. But know that you're getting so much fulfillment and that's not always a forever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, thanks for bringing that up. I don't mind at all. Yeah. I think that I had to come to a place where I realized that that time will come and it will be there when it's ready. Right. Like I do believe that there is a path that I'll walk down. And right now my job, my primary job is to be their mom. And what I thought was really cool this week is my oldest is eight turning nine. And she was saying like, mom, I really can tell that your job is being a healthcare worker, but you really do it throughout your whole life. Aww. And I really love that. I see that you love health and your body. And, you know, I- I'm interested in it. I talk to her about feelings and emotions and how that's affecting her body. She's like, I can really tell that you really care about this. So it's fun that I do get to do my job all the time and I integrate it into everything I do. And not everybody has that luxury. She noticed my husband is an engineer and he's on the computer all day, but he doesn't want to be on the computer all day. Yeah. He wants to be outside and work in the ground, you know, work in the yard and it looks different for him. And so I get to set an example for my daughter that I'm thankfully able to do both. I know that this is a luxury that I can work and have a career and have an outlet and also be their mom and be present. And that really matters to me. And one day it might change and we'll see what that looks like. Um, and that's where I, I had to go through burnout. I did have to go through burnout when I had three kids at home during COVID and trying to like grow to full time and all those things. I'm like, oh, wait, I can't actually do that. And it was hard. It was hard to realize that like my path is different than I expected. Well, and I think having that clarity on the present, right? mm -hmm. Of like, okay, right now, what is giving me the most joy and what is fulfilling me? And what are some of these tougher decisions? And I talked with a patient um, and she is very career driven and she has been like hustling and hustling for years. And she has one child at home and her father got sick and he ended up passing. And in that moment, she got so much clarity on how short life is Mm -hmm. and how she is not succeeding in anything that she's doing, right? She's trying to climb this corporate ladder and she's trying to raise her child and be present. And she's trying to take care of her mom who just lost her husband. Mm -hmm. And it was one of, she said, one of the toughest decisions, but such a relief to know that I'm reprioritizing my life. And And it feels authentic. It does. And those, and she was just saying it is a very, very difficult decision, but I know in my heart that like being more present with my child, you don't get those years back, you know? And that's where no decision that any of us make is permanent. And that's, I think, one of the things that I talk with a lot of our employees with and my friends with is we put a lot of pressure on a decision. But a decision is just a starting place, right? And we can always reevaluate and we can always shift. And I think that understanding also takes a lot of the pressure and the exhaustion of like making, like sometimes making the decision leads to the burnout, right? Like, and it's like, but that's just the starting place. Right. And then we guide from there. And so, um, I just, I think this, this conversation around burnout, I always want to tell people is number one, you know, recognizing if you're feeling burned out, number two, examining your life and not, you know, putting all the eggs in one basket because it's never just one thing, you know, look at, are you fueling your body? Are you sleeping? are you taking a deep breath at all through the entire day? Like I have to be, I have to do what's called habit stacking. Um, there was an episode with Stephanie, our health coach on habit stacking. So you guys should listen to it. Um, to remind myself to deep breathe like that. I know sounds probably silly that I have to do it with things in my life, but if I don't pair it with something I do every day, I would never take a deep breath the entire day. So when I first wake up before I go to bed and before every single meal, I take a moment to take, you know, even three deep breaths And maybe for you, it's not the deep breathing. Maybe it's sleep. Maybe you have sleep procrastination, right? It's the only time you have for you. So you're staying up till one or two in the morning repeatedly. 
and you're getting more and more exhausted, right? Obviously, that's going to lead to burnout. So I think we need to examine all the different pillars of our life. And one of the guys in my EO group, he always talks about gears. And he's like, I have a really hard time getting all my gears balanced. I'm either hustling at work and neglecting myself or I'm hus- like I'm doing all this self-care and not being a good employee or I'm neglecting my girlfriend. Like he's like I think of these like gears that are all really important to me and how am I shifting them? And he's like and I reevaluate every week on where am I putting too much of my energy? And I just like it's I love these like silly analogies of looking at these gears and thinking of kind of tweaking it. Like okay, I've really put too much into work this week. I'm going to pull that gear back a little bit Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be a little bit more present at home. Lift up that gear, you know? That's good. I like that. I love that. Um, Any other like parting thoughts that you have um, or kind of tips or just some final things that you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, I think that, you know, doing routine blood work, I think is never a bad idea. I think if we know more, we can do more, but we don't also want to like burn out ourselves by trying to fix those problems, but being curious as to how we're responding, because we're not always the best at knowing truly like where we're at and how we're doing. So being open to drawing blood work, um, and then asking for help. I mean, being honest and vulnerable with the people around you, um, of where you're at and what support you need and don't be afraid to ask. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in and always reach out. Like we would love to keep this conversation around burnout going. Um, And then depending on feedback, we'll come back on here and talk more because I know burnout we could talk about forever. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, remember little by little, a little becomes a lot. Even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation. I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stat Wellness on Instagram. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.